Awesome. Thank you, Kerry. I wouldn't be who I am without people like Kerry and people in this church. Take your seats, guys. That's right. Part three of our First Things First series has been amazing. Hearing Pastor Jen share in the first week. Then we had Lani last week sharing. And today I have the privilege and honor to wrap up our series, First Things First, prioritizing God on top of all the other things that can grab our attention, our distractions, uh, the worries, all the things that can be happening in our life. How do we prioritize God first? How do we put His kingdom first? It can be easier said than done, church. And our main scripture that we've been speaking out of is Matthew 6, verse 33. It says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else, live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. God's Word says to seek His kingdom first, but I think and I believe that the world is in complete contradiction to this. The world tries to pull us away from the unseen kingdom that is God and Jesus in our life. And hopefully today you can get something out of uh, what's going to be shared today. I don't want it to be um, people coming up to me after and go, Jason, thank you so much for speaking. I would much rather if you go, Jason, thanks so much. I heard God through what you shared today. That's why we do preaching. This is an honor. It's a privilege. It's not a right. It's not a, oh, I get this because I've got skills, talents. I can public speak. It's about speaking from his words to his people. So before we do that, let's quickly pray. Father, whether it's through the preaching, whether it's through the worship, whether it's through a conversation in the foyer, whether it's through chatting to the people next to us, left, right, in front of us, behind us today, we just want you to be in the center of that. We want you to be first in why we do this today, why we gather as your church, as the body of Christ, and we speak your name over today and this message in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I, I grew up in a, in a uh, family where it was very competitive, not just between siblings, but also competitive between me and dad when we're doing races in the pool or we're running across an oval. And um, one of the theories, one of the philosophies that my dad taught me that I reckon he shouldn't have taught me when I was this high, when I was in grade one, was that you're either first or you're last. There's no such thing as second, third, fourth. I think my dad would struggle with today because there's ribbons for like every place these days. Anyway, message for another day, another day. I grew up in a family that's very competitive. And my dad said, you know what, either you're going to win or you're going to be last. That's it. That's it. That's it. And this philosophy helped me in one way to be uh, determined, to be driven, to go for first, not to settle for second, because I knew my dad would go up and maybe shake my hand and go, congratulations for coming last, son, even though I came second. He's a great dad, by the way. I'm not putting you down, dad, if you're listening right now, you're an amazing father, but first or last. I remember I was, some of you guys have heard this story before where I jumped in the pool. Um, I was a swimmer. That was my main sport. I tried other sports, didn't work out. But swimming was one of the ones that I think I could live up to my dad's expectation of first or last because I was pretty good at. And so when I jumped in the pool one time in grade three, I was wearing boardies for the first time and the boardies came straight off. And I didn't learn as a little grade three kid that you're supposed to wear speedos underneath. I had nothing. And because my dad said first or last, and that was drilled into my head. I just kept swimming butt naked. Well, I don't know if I'm allowed to say butt in church. I just said butt, 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 butt. And as I was swimming, kept going, I still came first, butt naked, swung back, put the bodies on. Thanks, Dad, for this philosophy of first or last. 
But I think when it comes to this series of First Things First, I believe that when it comes to our relationship with God, when we're putting Him first or we're putting Him in another position, I think honestly if we don't put God first in our decisions, in our circumstances, in our relationships, in our workplaces, with our finances, whatever it might be, it's very quickly that He goes from either first or last. He goes from the first plan to the backup last plan, from the very default to an afterthought in our life. The title of the message today is First or Last. First or Last. So how do we know, church, if we are in fact putting God first in our life or putting Him last in our life? And I don't, I, I'm not preaching a message today, I feel that is about talking about the whole of our life. I believe that if you're a Christian here today, you made that decision to follow Christ, you're worshipping, hands are up, you know, you're, you're listening to the preaching today and it's really connecting with you, you read the Word, whatever it might be, I believe that in a lot of areas of your life, it can be easy to put in first, but there's also areas in our life that it's harder to put in first, not by intention, I believe, but because of distractions, because of the stuff that happens in our life. So how do we know if we put in first or last? I've got three questions. Everyone say three. Three questions for us to reflect on, for us to leave today, maybe that we never thought of before, or maybe you have a long time ago, but it's time to refresh ourselves around this idea of putting God first in our life. And the first question is, where's your focus? Where's your focus? And I say the word your, but I'm speaking to myself here today. As I was preparing this message, I was so challenged around these three questions. So I'm speaking to us together, online chapel, everyone a part of this community. Where's your focus? Right now, everyone, unless you are deaf, right? And I'm not putting down anyone that's deaf here today, right? But right now, unless you're deaf, you can hear my voice, but it is a choice to listen. It is a choice to actually listen. The difference between hearing and listening to someone is anyone can hear anyone, but not everyone listens. In other words, not everyone focuses either with their eyes, with their body language, a lean in, or writing notes, whatever it might be, that allows you to focus while you're hearing someone, which moves from hearing to listening. What you focus on becomes your priority and what you prioritize will ultimately become the first thing you do. Sounds very logical. Another example. I've just finished my first semester of uni. Yeah, that's right. I made it. All right. I'm feeling smart. I think that I was up here a couple of times ago saying I was starting. I have finished my first semester. I haven't quit yet. All right. I'm making it through. But one thing that I struggle with is this thing called study. All right, people that haven't been to school before, uh, haven't been in school for a long time, um, maybe haven't done study for a while. But the thing about study is, it takes a lot of time, takes a lot of effort, it takes a lot of focus. And as I'm reading, as I'm watching the tutorials, the lectures, and everything, sometimes this little tiny thing that Adam was talking about earlier, it will just go uh, uh, or ding dong or whatever your ringtone is, and I can't help it. Even if I leave it for a minute and I'm watching this lecture as amazing and an inspiration as a lecturer is in uni, I'm watching and then goes ding, ding, and I'm sitting there and I fight with it for a while, but now I'm starting to distract myself, lose focus, and look at it, oh, there's a new Netflix movie on. Oh, I really, oh, that's one of my favorite movies. It's on Netflix now? Okay. 
put it down. Try to get back to it. And then I last a minute. I'm like, oh, yeah, I wonder how the movie started again. Click into it. Oh, this screen's too small. I'll go to the lounge room. Hit play. Next thing I know, I'm getting halfway through the movie. An hour later, when I'm meant to be studying, and I realise, click moments, light bulb moments, I'm meant to be doing uni. Uh-oh, pause. Go back to uni. And there's this big fight between this distraction over here and what we should be focusing on. I think it's sometimes with our relationship with God. So your time will go where your focus goes. Your time will go where your focus goes. I work for Domino's Delivery Driving. I do Thursday and Sunday nights for a while now. And one big thing that I've learned about this particular job, because the other job I do is chaplaincy in a high school, very passionate about it, love it, my focus is in it. And then when I'm, when I'm here and I'm preaching or I'm part of the community here on Sundays or at youth on Friday night, passionate, I'm focused about it, let's go. Easy to focus on those things. But Domino's, as much as I love it, as much as they're amazing people, and it's a great, you know, the aroma of meat lovers while driving in my Ford Courier, click, 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 that's the tappets of my ute, and I'm just driving down the road. It's amazing, it's good, but I very quickly get distracted and lose focus on what I'm supposed to be doing. AKA, I can get the wrong drink, I get the Sprite or I get the lemonade instead of the Pepsi. I sometimes go to the wrong address. I've delivered to a neighbour before and that was an awkward conversation when the neighbour came out. Did you just give our pizzas to that guy? That's, that's meant to be awkward, awkward people. It gets as awkward as that. And even another experience where I got distracted was I was thinking about a lot of things with work um, at the school and a situation with some kids happening in their life and I was really passionate about that. So that was my focus. That took my time up here. And as I was driving, um, the, the particular route that was this delivery was going past my house. And because I was distracted and I almost forgot what I was actually doing, I wore the whole Domino's outfit, but I forgot that I was working for Domino's for a second, pulled into my driveway got out of my car, went into my house as if like I was just driving home, put the key in the door and went, wait a second, I'm meant to be doing a delivery, get back in the car and then go do a delivery. Customer's like, oh, it took a while. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy, pretty busy tonight. In other words, I had just forgot that I was working. So we get distracted. And where your focus is, what your passion is, what, what's, what's your, I guess, that main drive, that's what you're going to focus your time on. So most of the time, I think we don't sometimes have control of our focus. That's something that I think God put on my heart when, when I was preparing this. Sometimes we don't have control over our focus, and instead we let life control our focus. We let circumstances, we let people, we let certain things that happen in our life control where our focus leans left or to the right. And honestly, that, that type of living will erode the direction, the purpose, and the bright future that God has for your life. And no, no matter what, God has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. But we understand He has a perfect will and He has a permissive will. In other words, He has His free will that He's given us, and we can choose to go down the path that He's telling us, the, the path that is of purpose and direction and the original plan or we can get distracted by many different things and sometimes put God's name on it, lying to ourselves and going down a certain path because we get distracted. So where is your focus? This way we land this question. Hebrews 12.2, in the voice translation, it says, Now stay focused on Jesus, who designed and perfected our faith. He endured the cross and ignored the shame of that death 
because he focused on the joy that was set before him. And now he is seated beside God on the throne, a place of honour. Hebrews 12 is a call to all believers, all of us here today, to restructure our lives around God, His kingdom, and what He has for us. And Jesus, what's amazing about Jesus, not only is He our Saviour, not only is, our, is He our Lord, not only is He the person who made a, created that relationship, that path that we could follow, He's the way, the truth, and the life. On top of all of that, He is a great example of how we can live our lives. Around any of these questions I ask today and anything, we can go to Jesus. And I love that that is our faith here today that has been designed and perfected by Him for us. We don't have to do anything else. He finished it. We just have to respond, listen, look, and hear what He did while here on earth and what He speaks to us on and on throughout our life as well. He was the example. He focused on the joy that was set before Him, even basically ignoring the shame of death, the pain, all the stuff that he knew was going to happen. He was a human and he was fully God at the same time. He had the emotions. He had all the stuff that could easily be distracting for him, but in no moments did he shift his eyes. Was there temptation? He never gave in to temptation, but was he tempted? Yes, he was. Was he try- Were people trying to distract him? Were circumstances trying to distract him? Was there pain coming towards him? Was there all this stuff coming towards him? Yes, yes, and yes but he kept his eyes fixed on his Father. And we can keep our eyes fixed on him today. That's where our focus needs to be. And we don't get it perfect. And the reality is with this message today is it is a daily walk to put first things first, to live this out. It is a decision you make wherever it was, however it was, with whoever it was, but you made a decision to follow Christ many years ago, yesterday, today it could be, And then that's the decision you make, but then every single day from there, we choose to put our focus back on Jesus instead of other things. So where is your focus? It will determine if he is first or last church. Number two, where's your worry? Where's your worry? I'm a notorious warrior church. All right, I worry, worry about all these little things. I even rang up uh, my wife. She's down visiting family in Brisbane at the moment. Yesterday morning I was prepping. I was like, hey, could you just give me some examples? I don't want to try and think of something. I want you to tell me what you've witnessed. What's some things that you reckon I consistently worry about? Number one, our door's always locked at night. Even if I'm in bed and Mel's the last one to come to bed, I will jump out of the bed. The gauze door will get locked. Then the wooden door will get locked. If there was padlocks, I would padlock them all. Maybe it's this night that some crazy person's going to try and break in the house. Maybe it's that night. That's what's going through my mind. But I was like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It's just the back door. I was like, they can get through the gate. They can jump the fence. All these little things, packing for a trip. I don't know if there's anyone like, like me here that's packing for a trip. You overpack. All right? I'm worried that I won't have enough pair of shorts, shirts, undies, socks, too much information. But I just pack all of that stuff. And the other thing that I apparently worry a lot about is... Melanie, my wife, will sometimes, when we're going for trail walks or hikes, there are things called guardrails, safety rails for a reason, Melanie, if you're listening eventually to this message. I'm going to get this off my chest with the church family here today. This is a safe place. There are safety rails. The word is safety for a reason. It's not jump over rails. It's not go around the rails. It's not sit on the other side of the rail. It's not walking on top of the rail. It is the safety rail, Melanie. 
and oh my heart, I can feel it beating out my chest. She just loves being on the edge. She's like, look at this view. I'm like, get back now. Like I'm screaming. Oh man. And then she'll, by coincidence, there'll always be someone else, another couple, another person coming that wants to get on the other side of the rail as well. So if you are a park ranger here, if you are a um, you know, hike ranger or whatever, I am like snitching on my wife right now. Talk to her. All right. She needs that help. She ultimately needs Jesus to speak to her about that. Please, God. Thank you. All right. We worry. The reality is worry is inevitable, but it's what we do with that worry, where it ultimately lands, where we allow it to live in our lives, in here or in his hands is the difference. The reality is that science will actually tell us that our brain, we've got different parts of our brain. If you've got a doctor in the house, hopefully you'll back me up with this, otherwise yell out, he's a liar. But I believe that in your brain, you've got this little thing called an amygdala. Everyone say amygdala. Everyone said that perfectly. You're amazing. Amygdala or Amy for short. You have this little Amy in your brain that literally you've heard of this fight, flight or freeze. That's the part of the brain that kicks in for your flight, fight or freeze. Whether you fight when there's fear, when there's stress, when there's worries, there's a threat. We choose to fight, to run, flight or to freeze and not, not, not sure what to do. Everyone here might have a combination or just one of them, but a little Amy in our brain, that's the part that kicks in that part. When it comes to our worry, we can't avoid it. That Amy part will not just stop working all of a sudden. It will always have worries, always have fears, or or fears, (laughs) we're American for a second, fears, or we could be worrying about the future, whatever it might be, that little Amy's always going to be working. That's the reality. But where are we putting our worries today? 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. Peter writes that we should take all the fear, the the worries, whatever it might be, cast it. He actually says to cast it, throw it onto our Father, the one who cares for us, the one who wants to take that weight for us. In fact, he tells us that all of our anxieties, everything that we worry about, and give it to him because he cares for us so deeply. This is not a promise that God will take away the worries. It is a promise that he's going to walk alongside you. He's going to take that weight that's going to make it even worse for you from you. He's going to get alongside you, church. Where is your worry today when it comes to this idea of first or last? He will carry them for us. Because he is the most trustworthy to handle our anxieties, our fears, our worries, all of that. He is the best person for that. As a human, I believe it is easier to worry than to trust God. Let's get real with ourselves today. It is easier for us to worry than to trust God. Now, that's not a statement as a pastor, oh man, he says that he worries more than he trusts God. No, I'm saying it's easier to worry than to choose to trust God. Sometimes I think as humans, we get used to the idea of worrying and we sometimes like the idea of worrying. It's something to do. The news, bad news all the time. Rarely will we see good news. We're like, oh, there's something bad. Hey, look what's happening over here. Wow, wow, that's so horrible. And we start to have this little bit of worry, but it doesn't affect us as such. But we like this idea of sometimes carrying worries, carrying fear, carrying the anxiety, carrying all it because we've been so used to it all of our life. I genuinely get worried about our high school teenagers. Any parents in the room, I get worried about our young people because there's so much 
that is vying for their attention, that is taking their focus way away from God. And to be honest, a lot of the Hollywood, a lot of Netflix series, a lot of people around, like even news reports, there's a lot of things being painted about the church, whether it's true or not. And sadly, there's a lot of things that are true, sadly, that the church is either outdated, they can't be trusted, that they're hypocrites, that they do horrible things to all ages of people. And now young people are seeing this constantly on the TikTok, on the Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, all the stuff on their screens. Hardly ever will we see something positive about the church, about God, about Jesus. I get really worried about our young people because at that age, they are looking at everything and looking for inspiration, looking for purpose, looking for that plan. What, what is my life? What's my future like? What is, what, is this to do with God or is it to do with something else? And I think there's a lot of the other things that are vying for their attention. I get really worried and I have to hand that over to God, to be honest. Even practicing this point is very difficult. One of the biggest worries for me is worrying about teenagers that I'm working with in the high school and all the things that they're going on in their life and teachers as well, to be honest. And I can either choose to hold on to that and try to figure it out myself, try and get a five-step plan on what I'm going to give them for advice tomorrow in my chaplaincy role, or God, I'm just going to give this to you because this is way too heavy for me. You said that, you want, that you're going to carry my burden. You're going to carry the anxiety. You think, here we go. I'm going to pass this to you. I know I'm still going to feel a little bit of it. I'm, st- I'm still probably going to have it on my mind even tomorrow. But I'm going to choose every day to wake up with all the situations happening in these young people's lives and what I'm really passionate about. But I can't be carrying that worry myself because it's not about me. It's about you and just use me. And saying those statements in prayer, saying those statements out in faith, not feelings, but out in faith, that's the difference. So where's your worry today, church? It will determine whether he is first or last in our decisions and in our life. Do your best to let God do the rest. It's harder said than done. So where's your focus? Where's your worry? Number three, final one is, this is a really hard one, where's your hurt? Where's your hurt? We all have been hurt at some point in our life. You might be carrying hurt right now. You might be carrying a multitude of hurts and pains in your life that have been caused either by in here, how we think about ourselves, and that's very hard to shut that voice up. It's very hard. That's why we need his voice in our life. Maybe it's your friends, the people closest to you. Maybe it's family that has said some things that have really hurt or done things that have really hurt you. A colleague, someone at work, a boss, could be a teacher, could be another student, young people. The reality is we all get hurt. But as I said with the other questions, what we do with that hurt makes a difference of first or last. Mark chapter 5. And this is the, I'm going to speak out of verses 27 to 34. And just before we read them, bit of context is there is this woman that she's not named. doesn't make her that she doesn't have purpose either. Thank you. There we go. But there's a young lady that's basically had this condition for 12 years where she's been bleeding. And she can't stop it. It's caused a lot of pain, a lot of hurt. She's actually searched for advice and tried to get, I guess, remedies, tried to get support with her from medical people, from the doctors, from people in her life. She spent all she had trying to get an answer to try and stop this bleeding. Yet instead of getting better, she actually grew 
worse and worse. Twelve years. Twelve years. Let's pick it up in verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall, may, uh, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of, all of the affliction. Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You, say, you see the multitude throwing, throwing you and you said, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. When we are hurt, do we go to God first or do we go to other things first? Let me preface straight away. If you are cutting carrots at home and you chop your finger off, don't hold it and start praying that the finger will grow back. Now, we're not limiting God, but I think logic, he gives us wisdom. Get the ambulance, get the doctor, get the help, whatever. But I think straight away, God should be our thought. When we're being hurt by someone, whether it's an offense, do we go to other people to try to get advice or do we just go to God first and go, God, I'm really offended. I've been hurt by this person, whoever it is. God, I'm going to put it in your hands first. I will try and seek help. Please enlighten me. Show me who I need to go to. This is what I'm talking about when it comes to putting God first with your hurt. Doctors are important. Therapists are important. Friends, families, they're all important. The counsellor is important. You know, it wasn't until I was actually in my chaplaincy when I started five years ago, I think they went the first year, where my supervisors was actually telling me, you should go and see a counsellor. We pay for a free counselling service once a term with all the stuff that you'd be dealing with, the kids' mental health and everything. You'd be crazy to put your head in the sand thinking it doesn't affect you. Talking about the worries I took home originally just before. And I thought to myself, oh, no, I'm a Christian. Honestly, that was my warped perception. I'm a Christian. That means I only trust God and maybe people that are within the church. Sounds crazy. I, I, I just never had an experience with a counsellor, the therapist, the psychologist. I, I thought that was... Oh man, do I go see them? Because I see some weird movies and some weird series that show the therapist laying you on the couch, talking to you, look at this card, what do you feel? I'm just sitting there going, I, I don't connect with that. If you are a person that does that, that's all cool and everything. But that was my perception. I just thought it was just all these roundabout sayings and quotes and take this pill and whatever it might be. And that stuff's all great. Include God in it first. And so when I was going to my first counsellor's appointment, I opened up to that person. Her name was Amanda, amazing lady, a lot of experience, happened to be a Christian, by coincidence, didn't realise. And as I talked to her, I just said, I want to get this off my chest. I sort of, I struggle maybe with the idea of talking and getting help from someone maybe outside of maybe my pastors or within my church or my family because of this, this and this, what I just shared before. She goes, that's all cool. Let's talk about that talked about it and now she's one of the main people that I go to every single term I've actually run into her in person now I do phone calls great friendship with her all because I was thinking oh wait a second God only everything else it's just God we need to have the combination God first 
Who are you going to put in my life? God, allow me to just listen to you right now. Open my heart so I can get the help with this hurt, with the baggage, whatever it might be. And there's different types of church, uh, different types of hurt, church. The seam, so whether a broken arm, a cut, it could be diagnosis where it has external physical features. But I think sometimes it's the unseen hurt that can do a lot more damage than anything we can see. Because it's often the unseen hurt that we try to keep to ourselves and hide it really well from the people even closest to us. And we even don't even include God. We try to fix it ourselves. We try to deal with it ourselves. Or we justify that that hurt, that cannot be forgiven. That hurt, I cannot go to that person. That hurts, I, I can't deal with that. You know what? I'm just going to push it down. But it's unforgiveness, offense, rejection, grief, loss. All these things, anything that you could try to say is a hurt in your life, promise you Jesus felt it. As a human being, he was rejected. As a, as a human being, he had the option to not forgive the people that were beating him, whipping him, nailing him on the cross. In fact, he says to Father, forgive them because they don't know what they do. Talking about Jesus being our greatest example of how to put God first in our life, even in that moment. I reckon there'll be a lot of opportunities for Jesus to be offended. <laughs> and what he did with that, he did that with God. He found time alone with God. He found time to get away from everything and spend time with God. Ask help from God, from the Father. Rejection, grief, loss, all these things he was feeling in his life. So I think as we wrap up today, the challenge that I want to throw on myself, just like all of us, is are we willing to let the one who has gone through all this, the one who is our example of how to put Him first, are we willing to let Him start the healing journey from the inside out? Similar to Jenny's message at the very start of God focusing on the inside, not the external, the inside first. I was really hurt by someone in my life, really close family member, and to the, to the point where I was like, nah, that's it, cut ties, never talk to that person again. In that moment, I just thought that. And I remember walking through a shopping center that was right next to where I found out something that I was just, I was like, you know what, I'm not going to forgive this person. I just found this out. And it was literally probably five minutes later where I was walking through Kmart of all places and walking through a closed section. I just remember like clothes around me and just going, just not audibly, not out loud, just going, God, I don't know what to do. I've got to put this in your hands. Hold me. And this was a fair few years ago, so I was younger. Still trying to figure out God's voice in my life, but I heard clearly to forgive that person. And I didn't have any other reason. My logic was going no. My brain was justifying no. But I went back and I said to the person, pretty much close to after I found out something, this, this thing. And I said, hey... I don't know what it's going to look like in the future. Things will need to change. But I want to let you know I forgive you. And everything in me was like, ah! Because it wasn't, it wasn't me. It wasn't me being a nice person. It wasn't 
me being a person who easily forgives people and sees the benefit from the down of people and is soft with people. No. Everything in me was like, no. But because I let God speak, this is not me telling you, go and forgive people and all that sort of stuff. The person has done that to you. Go and don't hear my voice. Go to God first. First things first. Ask Him. I've got this pain. I've got this offence. I've got this hurt, this unforgiveness. They don't deserve it. God, I want to put in your hands. Help me. Help me make the next step. Who do I need to talk to? Maybe He says something right there, like He did with me. Or maybe He puts a name on your heart. Or maybe it's just a case of, God, God, I can't carry this because this will erode how I might potentially do my walk from here on. Because maybe I got hurt by someone in the church. Maybe I got hurt by a pastor. Maybe I got hurt by a Christian brother, sister. And I'm thinking, oh man, this is going to really affect how I see you, God, because that person I really looked up to, they were like a knight shining armour for the faith in my life. They show me how to walk it and they've just done that. I believe there's one person in the room that maybe is going through that right now. The best thing you can do is just go, God, first things first, in your hands. I don't want to carry this. Help me journey this every single day. Whether it takes the rest of my life, I'd rather you carry it. Best case scenario, God, give me something. Let's do this journey just like that. That person is probably one of the closest people in my life within the family. Love that person. But I, I want, often wonder if I didn't let God speak, if I didn't put Him first in that moment. And this is not about, oh, Jason, geez, he puts God first all the time. This, you know, he's on, his, on his trumpet here. No, 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 this is about God is a faithful God. He will speak to you even in the yuckiest of hurts. Put it in his hands. He said to me to forgive. And because of that, there's a relationship still there. I believe sometimes in our world, there's a huge cancel culture right now. There's a huge culture of destroy, to burn bridges. But I believe that God is a God of restoration, a God of healing, a God of seeing love in places where you think love does not, it's not even deserved. It might not look like how you logic it, but just putting it in God's hands and putting it in His hands first is the best thing you can do, church. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, righteously and He will give you everything. Keyword you need. Not what you want, not what we think, but what we need. While we stand to our feet and we'll declare this message, put Jesus' name stamped on this message for all of our lives, whether it was the first one, where's your focus? The second one, where's your worry? Or the third one, where's your hurt? Wherever that's sitting right now, plays a big role in whether he's first or last in your life. And this is not like a condemning message. It's not, oh man, I'm putting him last in my life. Oh man, I'm feeling really bad now. No, this is an opportunity. It's like, God, I didn't even realize. Man, my focus was over here. My worries have been holding on to. And so much hurt I'm carrying that might actually put a bit of a limp in my step with this walk, this life that you have for me. I actually just want to hand this to you now. I just want to put it in your hands. So let's declare that in faith together. Father, whatever is on our focus right now, whatever is going on in our mind right now, as every day we walk this faith journey with you, that we would choose 
even when our feelings don't want to, even when our logic doesn't want to, but by faith, our spirit, having the last say to hand these things over to you, to get our focus back on you, to fix our eyes on you, the designer and the perfecter of our faith. Whatever is our worries, you know my worries, you know everyone's worries here right now, Father. And you're a gentleman, you're not going to try and just rip them straight over our hands. You want us to hand them over to you. As it says in your word, to carry those anxieties, to carry, carry all of that. We hand that to you now. We trust it in your hands. Even when our feelings and our logic tries to tell us to hold on to it and try to fix it ourselves, hand it to you first. Then show us what to do next. And finally, one of the hardest things, our hurt and our pain, whatever that looks like in our lives, God, you know what we're going through. And your heart is saying to us today, hand it over to me. Hand it over to me. I won't grab it from you. I won't snatch it from you. I want you to hand it over because I'm going to show you what to do now. I'm going to show you how something that might feel like is such a a destroyer of your life, I'm going to bring restoration. Maybe not in the way that we think, but we trust you, God, as we hand that hurt over to you. First things first, Father. We want you as our focus. We want you to carry the worries. We want to hand over our pain to you today. Help us to live the life that you have for us, a life that is full, a life that is Jesus at the centre. First things first. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Awesome. I hope that's encouraged you. Maybe it's challenged you. It challenged me in the preparation. We're in this together. Maybe go talk to someone. Maybe first, go to God. Who's the person I'm going to go to? Put God in the centre of that conversation see what happens with those three questions, those three areas as we reflect, as we leave today. Thank you so much, church. We're going to finish with one last song.